we welcome you now to a true church perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis. AdamandBeliever.com forward slash whoseside.pdf. Today we're going to be talking about whose side are you on? And I wanted to talk about this just because of all of the emails and uh, direct messages and just different things I've been receiving from people in this last hour, people just wanting to be sure that they are on the right side. And I know that sounds weird, but a lot of people that are saved or claiming salvation today don't have a good biblical understanding of what salvation is. People want to make a decision for the Lord. They want the Lord on their side instead of them being on the Lord's side. And that's the issue we have now. God is not going to be on your side. You know, I almost don't even like the song, whose side are you leaning on? You need to do more than lean on the Lord's side. Your whole body needs to be on the Lord's side. It's more than just a lean. I understand what they mean by the song, but it's more than just a lean. We need to make sure that we are in the faith. We need self-examination. We need to line up with what the Word says. Now, understand something. You have to be in line with the Bible, with the Word of God, in order to see Jesus when he returns. In order to uh, go back with him, I I should say every eye is going to see him, but in order to go back with him, you need to be lined up with what the Word says. And so I'm going to use the Word to help prove what side you are on. I know me, in this last hour, we're seeing just, I mean, all kinds of things happening. I'm hearing all kinds of things happening. I'm hearing that the school system is going to be making some major changes that will, and it will never go back to the way it was before. I'm hearing that jobs and different things are just changing. And they're saying by the end of this year, they should have a vaccine. I just heard the president of the United States, uh, President Trump, say that they're going to have a vaccine for this COVID by the end of the year. And this this is a, a vaccine created by DARPA. And I talked about all this stuff in The Truth Behind Hip Hop Part 9, uh, Tactical Reprieve. I talked about DARPA. I talked about artificial intelligence. I talked about um, just where all of this was going. And this, this supposed vaccine is, I mean, this vaccine is supposedly a, a product of DARPA where they're going to actually be able to modify human DNA in these injections with the nanotechnology that is a part of it that Bill Gates and others have been pushing. So we got some very interesting things that's going to happen uh, before this year's end. So we need to make sure we are on the right side of this thing. So you can hear from God. You can follow God. You can follow the leading of the spirit, not make the wrong choice, not do the wrong thing. And the way you know that is by the spirit speaking to you. So you got to be on the right uh, on the right side in order for the spirit to speak the right things to you. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that today. Whose side are you on? Second Corinthians 13 and 5. Bible tells us, and this is the amplified version. I usually use the King James, but I wanted to use the amplified for clarity here. Second Corinthians 13 and 5. Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourselves, not Christ. Do you not yourselves realize and know thoroughly by ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? 
unless you are counterfeits, disapproved on trial and rejected. Oh, the Amplified just woke that thing up, didn't it? We need to make sure he's in us. How do we know he's in us? How do we know that we are not counterfeits? How do we know we're on the right side? Well, the Bible will show you that. You can't go by what people say. You can't go by what grandmama told you. You can't go by what the preacher preacher saying only. You have to get the word for yourself and find out what the word says about your spiritual condition. This is how you know. I tell people all the time, if you don't read the word, you're not saved. Because there's no way you can believe without the faith that comes from the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. There's just no way you can believe without hearing the word of God and knowing what the word says. The word is the thermometer. The word gives you your temperature, your spiritual temperature. It is by the word. So we're going to take the word and we're going to prove things today in this particular message. Our heart needs to be clean for our spirit to be right. Renewing a right spirit, as spoken of by David in the Psalms, speaks to the fact that our spirit has to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. So we are three-part beings. Understand that. We are flesh, we are spirit, and uh, we are soul. We are soul, uh, body, and spirit. And we have a human spirit. Now, this is where America and a lot of other societies, but America newly has, has gotten into the uh, a habit of tapping into our human spirit with, you know, uh, new age theology or false gods or just different things. This is where witchcraft and just had a woman who was totally delivered from witchcraft. Just, just, just um, text me, uh, not text me, but uh, message me, uh, uh, responded or commented on one of the posts that we had put up and and she began to tell me how she was fully into witchcraft. She had given herself over to it, burning of the sage and, you know, the pentagram and just doing all this stuff from the witch books and different things and just searching, searching for something and how it all, you know, her human spirit was connected to it. But when she was watching one of my videos or whatever, she gave her life to the Lord. She said she wanted to be changed. Nobody had to be there with her. Nobody had to walk her through it. This woman had a full experience with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came in, cleaned her heart out, disconnected her her human spirit from all of that witchcraft and different things she was doing, filled her. She's saved now. She's a believer uh, since uh, since she gave her life to the Lord. But it is proof that the Holy Ghost can do this work. This this work can be done. This is someone who was heavily into witchcraft and was able to come out of it because uh, the the power of God renewed a right spirit in her. And so we have to realize we are saved and in God when his spirit has taken control of our spirit. Now, if something else is controlling your spirit, then God's spirit is not controlling it. So, you know, that's the altar experience or that's the repentance experience when we disconnect whatever was holding us whatever had us or whatever had us bound or whatever we were connected to uh god comes in we disconnect from that and we connect with his spirit and that's how we know we are his your human spirit is reserved for god's spirit it is in us so we can commune with him he is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth That spirit is talking about your human spirit. It has to be your human spirit that connects with his 
spirit. I hope y'all understand what I'm saying. Psalms 51 and 10, David prayed, uh, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So the old spirit, whatever it was connected to, it has to be connected to God's spirit. And this is why I tell people all the time, you know, when you are truly saved and you truly giving your life to the Lord, your spirit connects with his and the, the, the attributes of his spirit should become attributes of your behavior. Your behavior should conform to him. That's why I said ain't no leaning on the Lord's side. Leaning says that you still got a foot. When I lean, I got a foot over here, but I'm leaning on the, oh, no, no, no. You need to bring those feet over into God's camp. All of you needs to be there so that you can have a clean heart and his actions and attributes become your actions and attributes. Amen? This means our will lines up with his, and we no longer do the things that displease him. And I understand people tell me, oh, but it's a process. Some things are a process, but some things you just don't do because you're saved. I mean, come on, folks. Some things you just don't do anymore because you're saved. Now, I understand a process, especially when you, you know, were issue laden and you grew up, you know, up the rough side of the mountain and you got issues and different things that may have come up or whatever. But these aren't practices. These aren't things that we just decide to practice and incorporate into our belief system or into Christianity where God understands. He knew I'm an old stank heathen. No, no, no. If you are born again, your actions should change. Amen? And you should no longer do the things that displease him. There has to come a point where you tell the old man no and the new man yes. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Even when we stumble away from his will, which we're going to all make mistakes, whether they are, uh, uh, you know, and I hate when people say, oh, yeah, you know, you can make mistakes, but they don't have to be intentional. Well, brother, I don't know what you just said because every mistake is intentional. I, I don't even understand what you just said. They try to act like, you know, you go make a mistake like whoops. Now, it ain't always up. Sometimes you plan that and you wanted to go do that. Amen. Can we just be honest? Okay. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm a realist when it comes to this stuff. And I know sometimes we get weak. Sometimes we get tempted. Sometimes we just decide to do the fool, whatever the case may be. But even when we stumble away from his will, the spirit will speak to us and testify of our alignment. It will tell us you are out of my will. You get down to pray, and I mean, you might as well just stuff your mouth full of cotton because there ain't nothing coming out that God wants to hear. Why? Because you have grieved his spirit, and the spirit will testify of our alignment so that we can realign ourselves with him again. God is like, don't do that anymore. If you're going to be in me, be in me. John 16 and 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So this relationship with the spirit, the spirit is going to guide you. The spirit is, but when you turn away and go your own way, you grieve the spirit. 
And so you got to come back and repent, but you can't just say, I'm sorry, and then go back that other way. When you come and repent, that means you're going to turn from it and stop doing the things that displease him. And this happens over time. You get stronger and stronger as time progresses. Some things you used to do, you stop doing. Some things weren't necessarily sins. They just weren't something you, sh- you, you should have been doing. And you learn that as you got older and matured. They may not have been sins, but they could lead to sin. And you learn all of these things. And that's why, you know, you're in a fellowship. That's why, you know, you, you have a preacher. You, you know, you have a pastor and different ones to teach you things so that some things you'll miss, some things you'll have to go through. Whatever the case, the bottom line is we should be trying to please God if we belong to God. You know, our nation, I, was just, I just tweeted the other day about, you know, fatherlessness. And because of fatherlessness, that example, that example of how to respond to a male authority figure or authoritative figure in the home, it, because it's missing in so many homes, it's hard for people to understand what God is trying to show them or teach them or even the perimeters of how we approach God and, and, and the things we expect from God. We learned a lot of that just from our earthly fathers. And the Bible even uses examples of the earthly father. If the earthly father would give you this or that, then how much more will God give you and those kinds of things. So a lot of that is missing in our society today. And this is what is causing people to not, you know, respond to authority well. I had a 60-year-old, 63-year-old pastor friend of mine tell me that uh, just just today, um, he, he, he was saying how there's just no respect you know, these young internet preachers or these young internet wannabes, they just come out and say whatever they want to say, and they'll come against your ministry no matter how many, for he's been doing it 40 years, and they just come and say whatever they want to say, treat you like nothing, that the respect is just gone because they, you know, they don't have that respect for their earthly father, and so they don't understand just respect for the man of God as well as just respect for a man. You know, I grew up just respecting older men. He's a bum on the street. I'm going to respect his age because that's just proper. And it's just some things you don't do. But, man, this generation, man, the Lord is coming back, y'all. I mean, he's got to be coming back pretty quick because there's not much. uh, There's not going to be much left. People that fall away into a sinful state and have no desire to realign themselves to God were never truly aligned in the first place. So this is somebody that. You know, the music was good and lured them in and the dude was singing and they went to crying and, you know, they felt something. And they thought that they had gotten saved, but they didn't get saved because their heart wasn't involved. It was all emotions. It was all feelings. To this day, whenever I talk to people about being saved or whatever, I don't want the music playing. I don't want anyone deceived in any kind of way. I don't want anyone lured in by the sound of of a voice or an instrument or whatever. I want you to make a decision from your heart to receive Christ because you feel I want to be with Christ for the rest of my life. They made an emotional decision based on their circumstances instead of a true heart decision based on God's love for them. You know, it's like a victim's vow when they're in jail. Oh, you know, Lord, Jesus, they praying every day. And as soon as they get out, well, thank you, Lord. And that's all he hears from them. <laughs> that's because they made 
a victim's vow. It was based on the wrong perimeters. It wasn't a heart decision. It was an emotional decision. People like this, they fall away into a sinful state. They don't really have a desire to realign themselves to God. And this proves that they were never really aligned in the first place. John 2 and 19, 1 John 2 and 19 says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out so that everyone could see that they were never really with us. That's scripture. And so that's how you know, because they're not going to stand the test of time. They're not going to make it because they made an emotional decision. And we're seeing that. We're seeing the great falling away, the great apostasy in the last day. People just falling away. People just wilding out. Why are they acting like that? Because they never had anything. It was all emotion. It was all in their head. It was just, oh, I, you know, grandmama prayed for me. Or I'm just, I'm using grandmama's conviction. Or, or you know, I've, I've grew up in the church all my life. All I know is church. Well, all you may know is church, but do you know Jesus in church? And so when the test of time comes, they can't stand in the last day because they were never really a part of it. They, they were never really saved. And a lot of times, and I hate to say this, but a lot of times it's the preaching of the gospel that where, where preachers have neglected to challenge people to examine themselves. It's just making people comfortable so you can have a large congregation, making people comfortable so you can get a lot of money. Whatever the case, you don't want to cross people in this hour. You don't want to offend. You don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So you dumb down the gospel to make everyone feel comfortable. But what you're really doing is you're making everyone uh, feel, uh, you're making everyone carnal. And their decision for Christ, you've made it easier than what it really is. Even though it's an easy decision to make, it's not an easy walk. Because now God is about to go against almost every habit, everything you used to do. I mean, it's a total uprooting of who you used to be. And we can't, we can't make light of that. And tell people, oh, well, you know, God just, God just wants you. He wants you on his side. So just, just, just change uniforms and come on over here. No, no. We ain't talking about changing teams. We're talking about your behavior, your character, everything about you being changed into the image of the son. And, that, and, and people need to know that. But when we dumb it down just for members and different things, people sit comfortably in church. No problem. No issue. Everybody just cool. Preacher, get up and say a few things. Make everybody feel good. We're all going to heaven. We're all going to heaven. Pass out the espresso and the, and, and, you know, and the, and the Cinnabons. And we're just going to have a wonderful, beautiful service. We're not going to do any spiritual warfare. Well, let me tell you something. In the last day, said God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters prophesying. Signs in the heavens above and the earth. All of this is telling me that spiritual warfare is going to jump off in the end times. So if it's spiritual in the end times and we're fighting a spiritual battle, you better get ready to pray. You better get ready to fight. This is a spiritual battle. I wish I could just come in church and we all just, oh, God, thank you, thank you. And then just go home. No, there are demons in the audience that hate me because I'm preaching the truth of the word unedited, uncut. I'm saying what thus saith the Lord. 
the same word that angered the scribes and the Pharisees brought them to the point to want to kill Jesus. The same one that angered the council that Stephen stood in front of. I'm saying these same words. And these words are upsetting folks. But that's okay. I'm going to preach the gospel because all I know is the gospel. It's the gospel that saved me. The devil seeks to have us all raised in loveless environments. And let me, let me back up a little bit. This was the devil's plan a long time ago to take the father out of the home. You take the father out of the home, you could possibly, not in every case, but in most cases, you're going to raise a narcissist. And the way you're going to raise a narcissist is because there's going to be an imbalance there where in a lot of cases, not all cases, where the woman is going to make the man look bad, not understanding that the man is the image of the very son and daughter that she's making him look bad in front of. This begins to raise a narcissist. And I'm not going to go into the narcissist. I've got a whole lot of information on it. That's for another video uh, that we'll be shooting later. Uh, but um, th th this whole narcissistic thing that's in our society now, God has been showing me how a narcissist is the embodiment of Satan. So you use Isaiah 14 and 11 and read everything Satan said. That that's what a narcissist believes. Yeah, and a narcissist does everything that is against God. The seven things that God said he hates in Proverbs 6, those are the attributes of a narcissist. So this is basically demons in people that didn't get cast out. See, when I was growing up, if a narcissist was in the audience, the preaching of the gospel would preach against them and they would begin to manifest. And that demon would manifest and you would cast that spirit out. Nowadays, folks have gotten so smart and clever with all the books and all the writings and all of the witchcraft and all the different things that they've learned how to, how to allow that spirit to overtake their entire character and their, their, just their entire being and operate through them. You can't cast them out no, anymore. You just have to kick them out now. <laughs> they have to leave the church because that's, their, that's the embodiment of who they are now. They would rather have that than the spirit of God. They'd rather have fame. They'd rather have prominence. They'd rather have whatever instead of the spirit of God. You can't cast that demon out of somebody because they want that spirit. They've become reliant upon it for their identity. So in these cases, the devil knew that if I take the man out of the home, then we're going to, in a lot of cases, children will be raised in loveless environments where they won't understand true love. All, all, all they've seen is strife and fighting and, and a parent trying to turn the child to his side or to this side or that side. And they didn't really learn it. So when they grow up, all oh, these folks have grown up now. When they grow up and you try to show them love, they, they, they don't understand love. They think you're attacking them. They think you're against them. The Bible said, said it like this. They won't be able to endure sound doctrine. That means they can't even sit through the preaching of truth because it makes them so uncomfortable because they're so used to getting their way. When a person is raised by a narcissist, that only thinks of themselves, they observe and adapt a warped give me love. That love become a, becomes a give me love. 
Meaning, prove your love by giving me something. Most of the time, giving me my way. This kind of love is conditional based on notoriety, covetousness, and pride. This type of love can end and usually turns bitter and cold like the Bible foretold. So true love doesn't end. You don't stop loving someone when you truly love them. But this kind of love can end. They just stop loving. Not only do they stop loving, but it turns bitter and cold. Now they're your enemy. The one you used to love. David said that. He said, man, if it had been my enemy that did this, I could have understood it. But this is the person that said they loved me. The Bible says, Matthew 24 and 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. No matter how much you try to love them, their love is based on conditions that are temporal and not sustainable. That's the dude. He is in love with himself. That's the most narcissistic picture I can find. No matter how much you try to love them, their love is based on conditions that are temporal and not sustainable. The narcissism they were raised in becomes a cycle. Listen, because they begin to believe that when they stop loving, all should stop loving. That's a cycle of narcissism. Galatians 6 and 3. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. A narcissist believes that the show cannot continue without them because they were the show. This is Lucifer in heaven. Lucifer's kicked out of heaven, but he ain't satisfied with being kicked out of heaven. He wants heaven to end because he's no longer there. (laughs) I know I just preached. Yeah, this leads to messy divorces. That's what's happening even in the body of Christ. Folks getting divorced. But they can't, they're not content with just going their separate ways. I got to destroy that home that I'm not a part of. This leads to messy divorces, malicious intent, focused hatred, childish tantrums, and even murder. All because they value themselves more than they should. A narcissist don't want the show to continue without them. The absence of love is truly shown when a person behaves this way. And I had to go to Proverbs 6, 16 through 18, because these six things, this is what the narcissist does. The Bible said these seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, looking prideful. A lying tongue, just have to lie. I don't have none, so I got to lie about it. And hands that shed innocent blood, meaning they're going to take a whole bunch of innocent folks out to prove that there's something. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift to running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. These are the things God said he hates. I don't want to be on this list. But every narcissist is on this list. And do you know there are narcissists that claim to be Christian that do these things on this list. If you're doing what God hates, I'm pretty sure he's not happy with you. And I I found this picture. It says the narcissist doesn't get over you. Where did that come from? That's Lucifer. He never got over 
what he was. He's in the earth now. What is he doing? In the church, making the music, trying to do what he did in heaven, still trying to destroy the church, still trying to change people's minds about God, still trying to take people out of the church, still trying to destroy everything. That Why are you doing that? God freed you. He kicked you out. Go do something else. Why is this focus still the church? Because a narcissist doesn't get over you. Lucifer could not just be absent from heaven, but he had to defile one third to go with him to set up a future war against God. He was not content with just setting up an earthly kingdom, but he feels he must destroy the original kingdom he was a part of because it is no longer because he is no longer allowed access to it. Our narcissistic society is birthing people with this same mindset. Their love has truly waxed cold in these last days. Y'all, I'm, I'm saying this because I've been getting this just constantly in my inbox and emails and different things where people are blowing up their marriages. They're blowing up their home. They're blowing up their relationship, blowing things up because of this narcissistic spirit that's in them. And the worst part about it is they regret it afterwards. But there's just too much damage that they've caused. And this is because love has waxed cold in these last days. John 10 and 10 says it like this. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he's not going to just steal the word from you, but he wants to kill you. And then he wants to destroy anything of value that you have. And that's the, that's the emails mostly that I'm getting. Just, you know, okay, people uh, 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 getting divorced or, you know, different things happening in relationships or whatever. And instead of talking about it, instead of working it out, they get in front of the computer and go online, go live and talk about their relationship and talk about each other and have these fights all online. Just right. I mean, just stuff that's that you can't repair like you can't take that back. do you know that's the world wide web you can't take it back that's total destruction and whenever someone is in this pattern he's telling you right here who it's from it's from the devil the thief coming but to steal to kill and to destroy. He says, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it, what? More abundantly, not after you die, a better life now, more abundant life now. God is not the God of destruction and confusion, not for his people. So we understand that the thief is coming to do these things and I keep telling people, look, Keep your business. Work it out. Y'all talk it over. Don't make a decision right now. Take some time. Just take time. All of these things. But because of the COVID and because of this um, lockdown, people are just bumping into each other all the time and things are brewing. You, you didn't even know the person that you're with like you thought you did. And you're learning new things and all these things. And it is causing many to have issue with each other. But you need to make sure you don't make decisions that you can't go back on. The spirit of God needs love to operate through. Listen, y'all, without love for one another, there is no real proof that the spirit is in us. 
God does not lie dormant inside of a person. He overtakes you. We're talking about God. We're talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't lie dormant and acquiesce to your moods. We're talking about the God of all gods. You either yield to him or you forsake him. He will not strive with you living against him. John 13 and 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye what? Have love one to another. Repentance and turning from sin is the way to yield to him and have him dwell in you. God wants to rule our being and show his love through us. But for many, their upbringing uh, excuse this and causes them to operate based on their issues and current circumstances instead of exhibiting the fruit of the spirit. Listen, y'all, don't let your issues rule you. Don't let them destroy you. Let's get this stuff right. This is what the fruits of the spirit are here for. Ephesians 4 and 31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has what? Forgiving you. But these people grew up where it was just always a fight. The mama, the daddy always disagreed. Go stay with the mama. She talking about the daddy. Go stay with the daddy. He talking about the mama. And they, they grew up with all this. They think that's normal. But that's clamor according to the Bible. That's evil speaking. That's wrath. That's malice. Summary. Boy, this was some good stuff. Ooh, Lord. Mm. There is only one way to know you are saved. Try your spirit by the word. Try your spirit. Get before the Lord and try your spirit. Get the Bible out. Blow the dust off. And find yourself in that Bible. Is what I'm doing is the way I'm living in here. Compare and test your actions and behaviors with Galatians 5 and 20. I tell people all the time, this was our demon test. When I'm casting demons out, you open up Galatians 5 and 20, you read these particular works of the flesh, and you see if somebody will flinch. That's how you know that that spirit is working in them. So compare and test your actions and behavior with Galatians 5 and 20 to see if your lifestyle is of the flesh are exhibiting the fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit are listed right after the works of the flesh. God just gave you a manual. He's showing you, hey, comparatively, you'll know exactly what side you're on. Are you doing any of these things? Listed in 5 and 20, 21, 22, 20. Which, what are you doing? Are they works of the flesh? Or are you exhibiting the fruits of the spirit? This will show you what you really believe. It's impossible to truly believe without the fruits of the spirit operating in you. Your actions and desires must be changed by the spirit and turned into the fruit as proof of his indwelling. That's the issue we have now. So many people are trying to work this out in their mind, their own will. I'm determined. No, you got to have the spirit. Your flesh is not strong enough to fight a spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. Taking down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It takes the spirit to do that. You can't will that. You can't do that with your fleshly hands. 
Your actions and desires must be changed by the spirit and turned into the fruit as proof of his indwelling. You will know that you are changed because where there was once hatred, there is now love. Where there was once malice, there is now kindness. Where there was once envy and jealousy, there is now encouragement and a desire to see others do well. If you're not desiring to see others do well, that means you still have malice. That means you have a work of the flesh. That means that a demon spirit is operating through you. Your approach to life should change when you are a true believer in the gospel. No matter how you were raised or what issues you have faced because of it, God is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is why we come to Christ. You think God doesn't know where you came from? You think he doesn't know what you've been through? You think he doesn't understand? He wants the challenge. He wants to make you a new creation. He wants old things to be passed away. He wants your lineage to be changed. So not only can you be forgiven, but you can be cleansed. This means that your issues do not have to continue and your upbringing, listen, does not disqualify you. Did you hear me just say that this woman was practicing witchcraft? A witch up in age and she decided that she wanted God and she wanted her life to change and she gave her life to the Lord. She's not disqualified. She grew up in church, grew up in church and everything, but turned and went the way of Satan. But she's back. Why? Because her upbringing, whatever she went through, whatever issues, whatever happened, and not just her, but everyone that's listening to me, it will not disqualify you. If you would allow God's word to try your spirit and point out the inconsistencies within you, you can be cleansed and what? Made whole. That's just like Peter standing in front of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, no, not me. I'll go all the way with you. Jesus said, not only will you not go all the way with me, but before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. Then remember when the devil petitioned Jesus and said, I want Simon. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, the devil has just requested to sift you like wheat. He said, but I prayed for you. I'm not going to stop it. I prayed for you so God can work those issues out of you. He's going to allow the enemy to sift you. And it's going to be rough. Sifting is not good. It's a tough process. But he said, I prayed for you. And when you come out of that, restore your brothers after you're restored. This is how much Jesus loves us. This is how much God loves us. But yeah, we're going to go through some things because he wants to get that past out of you. He wants to get those issues out of you. So not only can you be forgiven, but you can be clean. This means that your issues do not have to continue and your upbringing does not disqualify you. It, if you would allow God's word to try your spirit and point out the inconsistencies within you, you can be cleansed and made whole. Sure, it will be a lifelong process because we are all products of our upbringing. But a true relationship with the creator can keep the creation aligned with his plan. You're not the first person with issues that God called. All through the Bible, he used men 
that, that had bad upbringings. But God is faithful. Amen. We must not fight against the truth and attempt to make the word what we want because we would only be giving ourselves a pass for our issues instead of truly overcoming them. Isn't it a better testimony to know that you overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony? We must continue to die daily to our will, forsake sin and be cleansed so that we can be the new creation that God desires us to be. First John 4 and 4, year of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They, those without the spirit, are of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth us not. Y'all, this is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of Vera. Can you hear? Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this message. Thank you, Father God, because in this end times, we can't play with any of this. This is not a laughing matter. We want to be right with you to see you when you return. So I pray, God, that this message will pierce the hardened hearts. It will go in to the minds and register in the heart, in the soul and spirit of those that are listening. God, that we would all do a self-examination, examine ourselves to make sure we are in the faith, to make sure we're not reprobate or make sure we're not insensitive to things that we're doing. Make sure that the things we're doing are totally in line with your fruits of the Spirit so that we will have proof, God, that we are in you. God, we don't want to be on the Galatians 5 and 20 list with the works of the flesh. We don't want to be on the Proverbs 6 list with the seven things that you hate. But God, we want to bear the fruits of your Spirit as proof that we are in you and you are in us. We want more love, more joy, more peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Let your fruit be found in us because we know them by the fruit that they bear. So I pray, God, that you will help us, Lord, in this last day to stay on course, to stay focused, to keep a repentant heart, to stay before you, to seek you till we find you, until you return for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to A True Church Perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis, founder of EX Ministries and pastor of the Adamant Believers Council in North Richland Hills, Texas. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to be a financial blessing to us, please send your donation to EX Ministries, P.O. Box 24870, Fort Worth, Texas 76124, or donate online at exministries.com.